Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, 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 new week, Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming online, supertalk.fm, 4th of November. Weather feels like fall. How about that? Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been doing that, financing and refinancing land for... Really long time, over 100 years. So whether you're buying a piece of property, refinancing an existing loan, getting an equipment loan, or, well, maybe you're building a house in the country, let Mississippi Land Bank help you out if you are in North Mississippi. The website, again, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. A road weekend for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Southern Miss was off. Haydad was in northwest Arkansas. Rippy and I were in East Central Alabama, and uh, Borky was holding down the fort, playing with a uh, two-week-old in Jackson, Mississippi. What's up, boys? Hi, Borky. Hey, guys. What are you, channeling your inner Rippy out of the gate? What's up, man? How was your weekend? What's going on? How's the little guy? Uh, little guy's football? Uh, little guy's good. Um Unexpected couple days off last week, but it's all good. And uh, football was fun. The Saints were off and the Pelicans lost. So the weekend, as far as sports, could have been better. Yeah, I mean, little kids get sick, right? I mean, yeah, that happens. Um, It happens. And, and, you know, it's just the first time. And so it was probably harder on me than it was him. But everybody's good. It's all good. Back to normal. Ready to continue to complain about sports. And by the way, this weekend was kind of like a needed distraction for me. And I already mentioned the Saints being off and the Pelicans losing. College football sucked this weekend. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was awful. Every top 25 team won except for SMU, and they were an underdog in the game in which they lost to another top 25 team. The entire weekend went to chalk. Which makes for weekends that are slightly less fun than others. We like chaos. Makes it fun. Hey, Dad, how was Fayetteville? It was great. Great uh, great weather, nice and cool, beautiful fall day. Uh, not much for in terms of atmosphere and certainly not much in terms of uh, how good the game was, but uh, the weather and the city itself are fantastic. All right, uh, where'd you end up eating Friday night? We went to that barbecue place uh, that I, I told you about, Wright's Barbecue. Okay, it was good? It was fantastic. There you go. Glad it you enjoyed it. place um, I had in Texas, yeah. How many actual people were at the game? 
They announced 52 and some change. I would say closer to 40 or maybe a little south of that. Okay. If you told me 38, I'd believe you. Gotcha. They're the worst Power 5 team in the country. If they aren't, man, I want to see them play the the team that's that's challenging for that title. If, if, if Rutgers or... Dude, Rutgers whoever. beat Liberty, though. Arkansas well, then, couldn't beat Liberty. You're, you're probably right. They're really... They are incredibly bad. Like, maybe historically bad. 2-7 overall, 0-6 oh yeah, in the SEC. I put them SEC. up against any of the 80s and 90s Vanderbilt teams. I would put them up against Cheryl's last team at State. I put them up against Nutt's last team at Ole Miss. They're that bad. But they're recruiting well. Hey, there's always positives. But 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 are they? <laughs> really? That's what I keep hearing. Um, it was kind of crazy news to hear. I guess it was Friday night the news broke that Cheyenne O'Grady, who arguably was the best player on the offensive side of the ball for Arkansas, quit the team. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know that him staying around. It just really sort of made... went downhill from there for him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that it would have made a whole lot of difference on uh, on Saturday in Fayetteville. Rippy, how was your trip to uh, the Plains and back? It was fine. I mean, I got there, checked in the hotel, went to the stadium, went to the game, back to the hotel, and up the next morning. I have said this before. I, had you been to Auburn for a football game before? I have. Um, hey, Dad, I know you've been there as well. Yeah. It might. LSU is my favorite place to go to a game. But in terms of just what it looks like on a college football Saturday, I don't know if anybody does it better than Auburn. You think I'm crazy on that front? You know, Auburn's a really good college football atmosphere. And it, it, the stadium's nice. Their pregame traditions, the Eagle is cool. Um, and the people there are Yeah, I really nice. enjoyed people losing their minds when the birds swooped in. Yeah. They do that every game. Yeah. You don't think that's cool where they fly a live eagle from the top of the stadium and he makes a loop over the crowd and lands right on the 50-yard line? Maybe they like, killed something live. I just kind of found it bizarre. Yeah, whatever. There's just a rabbit there, down there waiting on him. What would you put? Like a like pin a squirrel to the fifty yard line and let him pounce? Yeah. yeah. That would make it better for you. I don't know about it's better. Like they they release a rabbit and then they release the eagle. Go get it. Yeah. I'm not sure the flight would be quite as majestic at that point. It might be more of a beeline flight. Uh, I, th- this that, is where I'm pretty sure. Peter would step in, and, and they would once again have something to say. Yes, and we would probably once again not listen, at least not very closely. So Mississippi State, no trouble with Arkansas on Saturday, and the question is, did that end Chad Morris's run at Arkansas? Feels like he's going to coach through the end of the year, but can Arkansas really continue? Rippy's asked the question multiple times in recent weeks. How do you sell 0-16? Well, I'm, I'm not sure that you can. We will talk about that some this afternoon. Uh, Ole Miss, close game on the road against Auburn. Defense was pretty darn good in the game. Offense was not. Auburn certainly missed some opportunities to make the game not as close as the final score was, but ultimately it's a win-loss business, and Ole Miss came out on the losing end. Ask the question about Chad Morris. Well, the coaching carousel has begun for 2019. Florida State 
yesterday announced the firing of Willie Taggart. They have moved on and are going to pay him somewhere in the neighborhood of $17 million to not coach the Seminoles anymore. Uh, results from the SEC, biggest game of the day on Saturday was the cocktail party in Jacksonville. Georgia beat Florida. It wasn't necessarily the prettiest game. Jake Fromm was good. Georgia bounced back. Uh, we'll get to some NFL stuff this afternoon, some top 25 action from the weekend, winners and losers, and a whole lot more. Rippy, you have been, or excuse me, uh, Borky, you have been absent from Friday picks for each of the last uh, last couple of weeks. I don't know. Probably can't do it, given that you know the uh, the outcomes. I, I don't know how you would have predicted the games. But Will filled in for you pretty admirably on Friday. Will, picking in your spot, went 4-2. and two. Well, I'll take that 4-2. and two. I, I did picks with Rippy on his podcast via the phone in the parking lot on Friday. Uh, I know I, I took Ole Miss to cover. Um, Would have lost Georgia-Florida. And I can't remember the rest, so I'll just go ahead and take... Four to two, or four and two. So, so the games were A and M UTSA. We all picked A and M to cover the thirty-eight. I don't know if you would have or not. Yeah, got that one, Rippy. Do you remember? Because I don't remember. Well, hold on. You took UTSA plus thirty-eight, didn't I? I don't know. I don't remember. I'll let's just go with Will's because it's probably better than mine. Probably so. Were you contemplating letting him repick? If he got one wrong retroactively, there'd probably be a larger problem. <laughs> Let him let him pick the games as if he didn't watch them yeah. and then see what happened. Uh, hey, Dad, you, my friend, were horrible on your picks on Friday. Yeah, it happens. One and five. Well, on the bright side, there's no money involved. You had Texas A&M. That was a loser. You had Florida. Took an L there. You took Arkansas. That wasn't close. You had Auburn. I wasn't, I wasn't alone in that. You had Tennessee. That was your lone winner. Tennessee covering against UAB and Vanderbilt disappointed as well. Uh, Rippy, you weren't much better. You went two and four. Yeah, I didn't pick state because I swore after the Tennessee debacle I was, wasn't going to ever again. I kind of goaded you into not picking state on Friday. Well, I forbid myself. Yeah, you did. And at least you stuck to your own rules. I was 4-2, and two, so Will and I were tied for the uh, lead. I missed on A&M and missed on Vanderbilt. Had Vanderbilt covering against South Carolina. It really is disappointing that Vanderbilt and uh, Arkansas don't play this year, isn't it? It is. Get that. They should play in the parking lot of the SEC championship game. What, like... Uh... Like on that little grassy area between the World yeah. Congress Center, and uh, that could be like the, uh, you know, the the opening act. Or they could right. be that junior like halftime game where they let the little kids play on the half field for like eight minutes. You could do that. You could like like go midfield to the goal line and let them play in full pads. Morris would probably still mismanage. Some let their quarterbacks do the Dr Pepper challenge, but they don't. They can't throw a chest pass. They have to throw it regular. We might be onto something here. Might be onto something. Let's dive into Mississippi State's dominating win over Arkansas when we come back with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, Renaissance Bank, on this Monday, Understanding You. You know, I think I like the idea normally of multiple open dates during the season. 
I think it's nice to get a couple of Saturdays off during the course of the year, and I guess coaches probably like it as well. But to Borky's point earlier, when you have two open dates in a year, man, it leads to some brutal weekends. And I know that LSU Alabama is getting all the headlines this weekend, and, and, and rightfully so, but you've got three SEC games this weekend. Or is it four? You got four. Vanderbilt at Florida, LSU Alabama, clearly the, the headliner, Missouri at Georgia, at one point felt like that was going to be a good game. Doesn't really feel that way anymore. And Tennessee at Kentucky. Tennessee at Kentucky might be the second most entertaining game of the weekend. Maybe. And then you've got three teams playing non-conference games. Arkansas and Western Kentucky. Appalachian State at South Carolina could actually be an interesting game. And New Mexico State, who is 0-8, taking on Ole Miss. And three teams on the second week of November with an open date. Auburn is off this weekend. Mississippi State is off this weekend. And Texas A&M is off this weekend. I'm kind of rethinking this thing. I, I don't know that I like two open dates in the same year because it leads to Saturdays where there are just not that many very good games. Pretty big snoozer of a weekend nationally as well. You have Penn State and Minnesota at 11 a.m. Couple of undefeateds. Couple don't of undefeateds. Like six out of the 13 weekends, though. Like there's More really like only nine out of 13 now. Yeah, so like there's really only half and less than half weekends that actually satisfy people. Yeah, most outcomes pretty determined anyway. Like it. It's not like the NFL where you can get a good slate like 14 out of the 16 weeks or something like that. Hey Dad, let's go to uh, let's go to Fayetteville and kind of unpack Saturday's game. A win for Mississippi State, a win where there was never any question as to what the outcome would be. We talked about Mississippi State needing to start fast. How about six plays, eighty-two yards, two forty-nine, and a Kylan Hill touchdown run to make it seven to nothing. Seven minutes later, it is fourteen to nothing. Uh, six minutes after that, it's 17 to nothing. Arkansas got on the board with 10-24 to play in the second quarter. Mississippi State adds to the lead to go up 24 to seven, get a field goal, and then it's a bunch of Bulldogs from then. Uh, two more touchdowns before the end of the half, 38-10, including an interception return for a touchdown. Uh, Mississippi State would score first in the uh, third quarter as well. It was just academic, and it was just an absolute dominating performance. Granted, against a really, really bad opponent. Yeah, but I mean, State played what I would consider a really bad opponent a few weeks back in Tennessee and didn't have this kind of result. So, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna downplay what happened. You know, State needed to get a, a big win. They needed to instill them a little confidence in themselves. They did so, you know, with Garrett Schrader on the bench, Tommy Stevens getting the start, and they they looked great. I mean, they looked they looked like a good football team. You know, for one, if, if they may only be for one Saturday this month, you don't know, but they looked like a competent football team on both sides of the ball. Um, let's start with the Tommy Stevens Garrett Schrader thing because I was trying to follow along, but I wasn't looking at stats and I didn't have the ability to watch the game while it was going on. And then after Ole Miss and Auburn finished, I pulled up the box score just to kind of unpack what happened and you know who was good. Somebody said, oh, Mississippi State ran for a ton. And I'm looking, and I see Tommy Stevens' name, and I go, hold on a second. Wait, rushing yards. Wait, wait Garrett Schrader didn't play. So yeah. what was the deal on Saturday with Garrett Schrader versus Tommy Stevens? 
from the man who brought you upper body and lower body, I give you general health issues. He really said that Garrett Schrader was having general health issues? Just general health issues. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> Is he hurt or not? I think he was sick. I think he had a, he, he was sick. I don't know. Like he, he a ate cold. a bad salad on Friday no, night no, and all he, of a sudden he, he, he can't been, play? He had been sick during the week. So, you know, I don't know if he had a cold, a sinus infection. I don't know. But we were told general health issues. I mean, didn't Michael Jordan play in a game with like 106 fever? Nobody even plays anymore if they feel bad. And that's not isolated to Mississippi State. I feel confident that if State had been playing in a NBA final game, that Schrader would have drug himself out there. But in this game, they felt, I mean, they could have played Logan Burnett. They could have just handed the ball off to Kylan Hill and Nick Gibson 75 times and won the game, probably by the same margin, if not more. To be totally honest with you. I halfway right. joking said on Twitter that they shouldn't throw a pass the entire game after the opening touchdown drive. They would have won the game without throwing a single pass, right? Like they that would have happened. It would have. Yeah, it would have easily happened. Yeah. Uh 460 yards of total offense. Kylan Hill, 21 carries, 234 yards, an average of 11.1 per carry. Three touchdowns in the game. Nick Gibson goes for a buck 29 in a TD. Tommy Stevens ran it 15 times for 74 yards. Witherspoon had five carries for 24 yards. Malik Deer got a couple of carries. Zuber had a carry. I guess that was on a reverse or something along those lines. Yeah, it was. 460 on the ground. Is that the most impressive rushing performance you've ever seen from Mississippi State? I mean, it's a new school record for uh, for rushing yards in a, a non conference. I'm sorry, in a conference game. It uh, okay. surpassed what I would have said was the most impressive rushing day I ever saw, which was the 2016 Egg Bowl. Uh, prior to that, so yeah, Kylan Hill, SEC Offensive Player of the Week for his uh, for his performance. He could have, I mean, if he had just gotten another two or three carries, probably would have broken Nick Fitzgerald's record from that same Egg Bowl of rushing yards in a game. Um, was just he just he just he ran the ball well, ran the ball with power, speed, was able to bounce outside on some carries. But then State was efficient in the passing game. You know, they 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 threw it. You know, twelve of eighteen for two touch with two touchdowns, no picks, one hundred seventy two yards. Had a nice uh, touchdown pass to Osiris Mitchell in the first half uh, to Tommy Stevens. Th- this is what Joe Moorhead's offense wants to look like. And I, and I know it was against a horrible, horrible team, but this is what he's shooting for. And he, yeah. he got what he was looking for on, on Saturday. Um. So Tommy Stevens looked completely healthy, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, look, look, looked like the guy who was 9-for-9 nine nine against USM when he got injured. Gotcha. Well, that's got to be good for Tommy Stevens. Uh, and I know Joe Moorhead gave the uh, the after-the-game deal of, you know, we'll figure out where to go from here. Better to have two good quarterbacks. Some teams don't even have one. I, I get that. Where should they go from here? Now you're asking a good question because Well, Stevens- thank you. <laughs> Stevens put because you, you know, were adamant two weeks ago that Garrett Schrader is the quarterback of this football team going forward, period. And then something happened, and now I got questions. I don't know. Um, I would definitely put Stevens out there against Alabama and see what happens there. I, I, I think he, he, he's probably going to – I would imagine he's going to get another start. Because when he's healthy, when he was healthy, he was QB1. And that's what Schrader would tell you, too. He said, hey, you know, when Tommy's healthy, this is his job. He said after the game, I haven't felt better than this since the start of the season. So I won't be completely surprised if, if Tommy Stevens gets the start 
uh, against Alabama. But by the same token, I won't be completely surprised if Schrader gets the start. I think you've got some options here. They'll, they'll see what happens in practice, and they'll make a decision probably late in the week next week. Do you think the player that starts the game is the quarterback for the game, or do you think there's some deal where they're trying to rotate through two quarterbacks? Well, you know, Moorhead just talked about that before. He doesn't like to rotate, but I think if Steve, especially if Stevens gets the start, there's going to be some packages in place for, for Garrett Schrader. He, he won't, he won't be not, because you've already burned his red shirt. It would be foolish to just leave him off the last three games. Yeah. Um, what else is there to unpack from Saturday? I think you should take a look at State's defense and how it played. You know, obviously missing Lee Autry, but Willie Gay was back. Marcus Murphy was back, had a pick six in this game. For me, I, 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 I got to give Bob Shoup a pass on everything that's happened this season. When he's had the full complement of players, the defense has been pretty good. It was good against Kentucky. It was good against Tennessee. And it was good on Saturday against Arkansas. And he'll have them again in, in, against Ole Miss in what will in all likelihood be the game that decides whether or not State goes bowling or not. So that's good news for Mississippi State. When when Bob Shoup has had his full uh, depth chart available to him, he's been able to put a pretty good defense out there. Yeah. Um, does this change the way people are looking at Mississippi State and looking at Joe Moorhead? Um, not, I wouldn't think so. What I said on, on the podcast, and I'll bring it here, is this, that if you're a, a Moorhead detractor, you can't really – I don't want to hear the whole, you know, oh, well, they're just playing Arkansas because, like I said before, they were just playing Tennessee earlier, and they lost and lost badly. So that that doesn't really work. But Arkansas is a lot worse than Tennessee. They are, but at, this, but at that time, nobody was playing as badly as Tennessee. They, they were really down when State got to them. Fair. And then, But if you're a State – if you're a Moorhead supporter – you can't just look at this game and go, okay, everything, everything's good now because Arkansas is so bad. And, you know, you, you did what you were supposed to do. You, you really didn't do anything more than that. So I don't know how much you take from this long term one way or the other as far as Moorhead and his future in Starkville. I have some more thoughts on Mississippi State's win over Arkansas. We will peek ahead to the rest of what happened this weekend. Start look, or this past weekend, start looking ahead to this weekend. Check out the uh, C Spire text line as well. It's open to you this afternoon, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. So, hey, Dad, you got into Fayetteville Friday afternoon. We're out for dinner and kind of around town a little bit. Then, you know, an afternoon kickoff. Sometimes when you're in a college town on, on a game weekend, you kind of get a feel for what people are thinking. You hear people talk. So so where are Arkansas fans? Or maybe you talk to some Arkansas media folks. Where, where are they right now? Oh, they're Is this thing over? They're, they've tapped out. I went to, uh, I, you want to call it brunch, I guess. It was, it was brunch on Saturday before the game. And it struck me that there was not a single person in there Wearing an Arkansas shirt, sweatshirt, jacket, anything. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, really. That's, that seems impossible to me. You go to get lunch on, in Starkville or in Oxford on Saturday, everybody's wearing red and blue or maroon and white. That's just how it is. There wasn't a single person in this Man, busy it, restaurant. It's usually, it's usually like that in Fayetteville on a random Tuesday in June. Maybe I picked the hipster place. I don't know, but there weren't any. And, I mean, their fans were quick to start booing. Their fans were quick with some sarcastic cheers after the uh, the first first down of the game. Um, and by and large, they are done with the Chad Morris era uh, in Fayetteville, I feel. 
Do you believe that it is over? I think so. I think so. I mean, I think with what happened at Florida State, that has opened Pandora's box a little bit, and you feel like you don't have the right guy, and it's a bad fit, and it's not going anywhere. You got to get him out. It's not. It's not worth another year of being really bad. You know, if you're not starting to turn it around in year three, which I don't think Chad Morris will do, you got to. You got to make the move. And, and they certainly they certainly want him out up there. You can you can tell. Yeah. Well. Sounds like about nine, nine and a half million dollars to uh, handle the buyout. Of course, that's just for Chad Morris. I mean, usually you got to figure out assistant coaches as well who are in year two, generally speaking, of multi-year contracts. So we'll see where that one goes. Um, and I wonder how wild that Arkansas boosters are about paying another buyout. I mean, that's a good question, but. I think they would probably be more wild about that than they would be another two and ten, three and nine kind of season. You know, that's Is that just, an attractive that's job? Of... <sighs> that's a good question. I don't know that it's super attractive, to be totally honest. It's Not an large... SEC West job with money. It's an attractive it's an job SEC for West somebody. It's it's the sixth or seventh best or fifth at worst at best SEC West job. You know, you don't have a natural recruiting base, and the big recruiting base you used to be able to tap into has sort of been taken away from you. Um, you know, it, it's it's not great. It's not great. I just think the SEC is is so appealing. For 13 out of the 14 jobs in the SEC, I think you could argue that they are – you can make an argument that 13 of the 14 SEC jobs are at least top 35 jobs in the country. You're excluding Vanderbilt. Excluding Vanderbilt. Well, that's that's all well and good, but if you're if you're at the seventh best job in the SEC, that means you probably are facing you know six losses a year. You could be you could legitimately be worse than everybody on your SEC schedule. So yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, the money's good, you... the prestige is good, but are the results good? Yeah, I, I would say that history shows you that six and six is not the baseline, or doesn't have to be the baseline at Arkansas. But expecting the baseline to be anything more than seven and five is a little foolhardy. Not to say you can't have eight, nine, even ten win seasons at Arkansas. Uh, they, in the current landscape, though, are pretty few and far between. Kind of like with Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Yeah, you don't need yeah, to win what, titles there. I mean, at this what, point, uh, after Bielema and then whatever this is with Morris, I, if you can just get them back to bowl games regularly, that that would be a start. And historically, as you mentioned, they don't have a whole lot at Arkansas. What they were able to do under Petrino for those couple of years there, I guess three or four years, was an outlier to what they have been, by and large, not not just uh, in the SEC, but, but historically. Yeah, they had some good teams in the Southwest Conference days, for sure, but they've never been a consistent 10-win program. So to think that's going to happen... Is foolish. I think they can be a little higher than seven to five. They could be an eight and four team. They'll lose to Bama, LSU on the regular, but they should have years where they can beat Auburn and beat Texas A and M, and obviously beat the Mississippi schools. They should. Well, be, I'm not saying years. That's what's killing them right now. Is they're just they can't beat the Mississippi schools, let alone the other ones. Yeah, Hunter Henry would beg to differ. <laughs> but isn't isn't that Don't get the hit point? By anything, Rippy? Of what makes well, it an like, attractive job, though? You're in a division with Alabama and LSU and. 
You don't have to beat them regularly. You can get paid $4 million a year, and 8-4 and four is good enough. Yeah, the problem is they've had enough success in the last like two decades that that probably wouldn't be good enough after a while. I mean, they had good years under Nutt and Petrino. Yeah, but I mean, look, look at Dan Mullen's tenure at Mississippi State. Well, that's partly why Joe Moorhead's having such a tough time is the expectations were high and he hasn't met them. Yeah, it's kind of the same deal with Arkansas, I would think. Or, well, I, I guess that was kind of the. The point that I was making is, you know, Dan Mullen had what two kind of high water mark years, and the rest of them were six, seven, eight wins. Um, yeah, yeah. Look at the jobs in the West. I mean, Alabama is a clear number one. I think LSU is a clear number two. I would put Auburn and Texas A and M as kind of an interchangeable three and four, depending on the year. Um. Uh, yeah, I guess you could argue that. And then I would put Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State in a category of also interchangeable five, six, seven, depending on the year. Yeah. You agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, random side note Trump is going to Alabama LSU. Is he really? Yeah, I just saw it pop up on my computer. I was just kind of chuckling. Cause I would love, to, like, I would love to see, like, all politics aside, just have, like, Dan Walkett or somebody, like, run Trump through the gauntlet of, like, the first take topics of college football. You'd like to see Dan Wolken do or that? So, someone. Just something that would be completely hilarious to me. I want like, to see him as the guest Trump picker on college game day. <laughs> LSU's best team in 20 years still can't beat Alabama. Sad. I mean, how, that, that would be electric. Him sitting next to Lee Corso on college game day as Corso puts Mr. an elephant President, head on. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> that would uh, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, that would be pretty good. Um, Sleepy Lee. You want to be part of the sh- uh, program, you can. 601-879-4395, C Spire text line. Um, William and Greenville. Can I ask a question? Why won't Ole Miss or Mississippi State hire Mike Leach? He would bring the fun back to football, both on and off the field. I would buy season tickets just to see him coach. He wouldn't take it seriously enough. People brought this up a couple of times during Ole Miss's last search in 17. Like, If you can win in Pullman, Washington consistently, he probably can do enough and recruit enough to win here. But like, what happens when you go 4-8, and like one year in a down year? And he's talking about pirates and politics on a Tuesday instead of who's playing quarterback. Yeah. Like, that would probably end up rubbing people the wrong way, because I feel like as a fan base, people take it way more seriously down here than they do in Pullman, Washington, and there's a larger number of people. So I don't think, you know, Rebel Fan 69 on the message board is going to take it very, very well (laughs) when he's talking about cats and who would win in a fight, the Kentucky Wildcat or the Tennessee Volunteer Dog and you're three and six. That that doesn't seem like it would be conducive. So people think it's a great idea until he has one losing season, and then the weird doesn't become funny anymore. Yeah, I would think. I don't disagree with that. Michael from Poplarville says maybe they should bring Houston Nut back to Arkansas. That's to say, though, I don't think it'd be a bad idea to try if Ole Miss or State ever got in a tight spot. I'm not against them. Houston Nut. 
No, 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 excuse me. Mike Leach. Oh. Sorry, not Houston Nut. I don't think it's a terrible idea. I wasn't just missing Houston Nut coming that. home to Ole Miss is what we all why. want and deserve. And, and I believe when Bunky Perkins is named athletic director, it might be the first thing on his agenda. Um, I know they wouldn't go for it in Arkansas. I'm not sure that it would be the worst move that Arkansas could make. Who, Bring Leach? Back? No, Houston Nut. I said, which way are we going? <laughs> Houston Nut now? Yeah. I'm telling you, I don't think it's the worst move that Arkansas could make. It would be better than what they've got going right now. To his halftime speeches are talking about going on like some kind of kill mission on ISIS or whatever he did that time. If, where if he, was like, he had been the coach Saturday, it wouldn't have been no 54-24. <laughs> wouldn't have been no 54-24. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't read your stuff, Rippy. What was, that, what was that one he did in 2011? They were like, oh, and they were starting real slow, and then... But he said if you got dropped in Baghdad today that you'd want him in your foxhole? Yep. Gus Malzahn to Arkansas. Win-win for everybody. That's from Dawson and Pickwick. Dawson, I don't think you're the only one that thinks that. and I, I tend to think that Gus might even agree with you, even if he wouldn't admit it publicly. Problem is, you got, you got buyout money that you got to figure out all over the place on that deal. Arkansas's got to figure out what to do with Chad Morris's buyout. Auburn's got to figure out what to do with Gus's buyout. Gus would be more appreciated there, don't you think? Till he went four and eight. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to have you along on this Monday afternoon. Ceasefire text line, can Matt Luke and Rich Rod survive this year if the Rebels lose to LSU and State, or will we see some changes? The only bright spot, in my opinion, is the defense. I would say right now, if Matt Luke stays, I don't see where Rich Rod's going unless he goes somewhere on his own doing. He is in year one of a three-year contract. You're going to dump that already? I'm not saying on-field performance-wise, but geez. I think it would be hard to see that happen. You know, whether it should happen or not is a different debate altogether. But I think the two of them, unless there's something going on that, that I'm not aware of, are probably tied together on this deal. Amanda in Pike County, are y'all honestly wanting Bama to win Saturday? You never root for the underdog, or in the case, the Tigers. I hope y'all get a healthy dish of crow heaped on your collective plate. By the way, my sons laugh at me for trying to talk trash. I don't think we've mentioned that yet. We haven't even gotten to that yet, Amanda. I spent the last two weeks saying I think LSU is going to win that game. And no, I don't want Alabama to win on Saturday. (laughs) I am the engineer of the LSU locomotive. How can, how can um, I be cheering for Alabama there? I don't want to watch Alabama-Georgia again in the SEC championship game. Yeah, instead it'll be LSU-Georgia. I want to watch LSU-Georgia. Exactly. God, you never know. It's coming in this sport. <laughs> Jeez. But at least it's a little different. Yep. LSU fans are fun to watch. Watch what? Drink? Like, watch them just be. I mean, I go to the... That, that's part of... I mean, I love going and watching a good football game, but it's kind of the spectacle of it all that's fun to watch. I prefer people watching at state fairs. 
Amanda from Pike County says, just before the break, we said Alabama. What, what are you talking about? You may have misheard. She may have jumped in at the end of us talking about Trump being the guest picker and Borky imitating him talking to Lee Corso about oh, okay. his pick. I don't know. She says it was you, Rippy. I didn't say anything. It was you. I said I wanted. I think it'd be hilarious to run Trump through the gauntlet of like the first take debate questions of college football. Yeah. Is Texas back? What do you think, President? El Presidente. <laughs> um. Would Lee and Riley take the Cowboys job? Hey, Dad. Mississippi State open date. Then Alabama. What do they spend this week working on? Ole Miss. I would spend the next three weeks working on Ole Miss. Don't have to do anything hardly to beat Abilene Christian, you would think. Can't beat Alabama. You've got to beat Ole Miss. I'd be getting ready for that game. Best case scenario is you come out of Alabama and Abilene Christian healthy, right? You're healthy and you're five and six and you you play the Egg Bowl to try to extend your bowl streak. Does that affect who you play at quarterback? For the Alabama game, I, I mean? I don't think so because the offense isn't in that terribly different. This isn't like with Plumlee and Corral. Schrader is still capable in the passing game. Uh, I, I don't think it makes a huge difference. I just I meant like I'm, not wanting to get one of them like killed. Oh well, I mean, I, I don't think you can. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can play it that way. I mean, it's football; anything could happen. So, my question is this: though, you made the decision to go to Schrader. Mm-hmm. Are you really going to let one? Good day against a bad Arkansas team reverse the decision you made? I don't know. But I mean he was really good and that's what he that's you know that's how he looked healthy in the first game and a half of the year and the offense was moving and clicking pretty well. So I won't be complete and you co- you couple that with if you go back and watch uh Joe Moorhead's post game press conference and that video is up on Super Talk, I'm sorry on Sports Talk Mississippi's Facebook page. Um he he makes it very clear how close he is to Tommy Stevens. He uses the term like a son. So there's something to that. There's something to the idea of him just saying, I'm going to go back to Stevens. It could happen. And I do think it's important to remember that Garrett Schrader has been very okay, just very average throwing the football. He's yeah. dynamic. He plays hard. The team rallies around him, all of those things. There are a lot of people that poked holes in the the rationale between Tommy Stevens coming in and being named a team captain, but that wasn't a charade. The team voted yeah. on him. Yeah, and and so well that that deal with the quarterback as the captain thing, like is it most times if he's not a captain, it's kind of like okay, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's like a natural captain deal. Like it's almost like a formality type of thing. Yeah. What's the backup that had such a bad that started that playoff game that had such a bad deal that wasn't a, Connor Cook? Didn't he have some of that at Michigan State? No one came yeah, to his yeah, birthday yeah. party. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody came to his birthday party. It's a draft day reference. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studium. One hour or Renaissance Bank Studio. One hour in the books. Winners and losers coming up next. You can send us your winners and losers on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. You can send something like this. I wish they would play your negative shows at all state practices. Those guys on Sports Talk Mississippi are so negative. 
Winners and losers. Use the next. ratings. What do people listen to? Got to be a joker. just do what it please. Four o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs and you're in North Mississippi, you're a farmer, Mississippi Land Bank can help, whether it's equipment needs, buying a new piece of property, refinancing an existing loan, or getting a production loan, check them out on the web at mslandbank.com. Go to the website. You can grab the phone number, give them a call, or stop by one of their branch locations and visit them in person. Mississippi Land Bank, presenting sponsor of Sports Talk Mississippi. Time right now for winners and losers. All I, all I, all I, all I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? You can send your winners and losers to us on the Ceasefire text line. The number is 601 879 4395. 601 879 Four three nine five. Not really going out on a limb to give you my first winner. Uh, Kylan Hill, monster day for Mississippi State running the football. 21 carries, 234 yards gained net. He had three touchdowns on the ground. His longest run was 62 yards. He averaged 11.1 yards per carry, regardless of the opponent. Look, you, you play bad opponents in the course of the year. Uh, this was... A big day for Kylan Hill, and it puts him on the winner's list. And other people thought so as well because he was named the SEC Offensive Player of the Week for his performance. Borky, give me a winner. Uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. So they, mm-hmm. they beat up on the Patriots last night. and uh, I've been a pretty harsh critic of Lamar Jackson, but what he's doing is, I mean, he's not a world beater through the air, but he's really accurate in taking care of the football. And that dynamic running ability paired with the way that they are playing football right now. I mean, sleeper Super Bowl contender? They looked like it. We'll see what happens come playoff time, but they're going to sleepwalk through that division. And Lamar Jackson is part of the reason why. Playing really efficient football at the quarterback position, and uh, he's a winner. Last night, 17 of 23, 163 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. He was sacked only one time in the game. He carried the ball 16 times for 61 yards, had two touchdowns on the ground. And if you want to compare his numbers to those of Tom Brady, Brady was 30 of 46 for 285 with a touchdown and a pick. Lamar Jackson's QBR in the game last night, 77.8. Tom Brady's 53.9. Lamar Jackson outplayed Tom Brady in that game last night. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. First off, I just want to say Whoever decides to pair Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott at receiver and tight end, they are going to be a juggernaut team when that finally <laughs> happens. Uh, Arkansas is a winner, and I'll explain why. Uh, Florida State opened the door for them. They're going to get rid of Chad Morris, who, after looking at his career, everywhere he goes, like when he leaves, the team becomes better. Clemson is better since he left. SMU is better since he left. I think Arkansas will be better once he's gone. The guy just is not a good football coach for whatever reason. Maybe a good offensive coordinator, 
But as being a head coach, it's not going to happen. Florida Ooh. State has opened the door for Arkansas, and uh, they will step through it, and there will be no more Chad Morris in Fayetteville uh, within a few weeks. Devil's advocate, he laid the groundwork for the guys behind him to be better at all three at both places previously. Well, when, when you look at, at at SMU, they have brought in a ton of transfers, so I That's don't know true. how much we, you can really say for that. And then for Clemson, I mean. I guess, but I mean, he was part they, of it they, when it got rolling at Clemson. It got rolling, but they have been a lot better since he left. Fair enough. You can agree or disagree, but that is uh, that is Haydad's winner. Interesting angle on Arkansas. Uh, Rippy winner. Borky took mine, but I'll go Tennessee. The Titans? No, the Volunteers. <laughs> they seem to actually kind of turn it around and have it rolling a little bit. Tennessee. Was one and four going into their game with Mississippi State. They had lost to Georgia State, to BYU. They beat Chattanooga, lost to Florida, and lost to Georgia. A twenty to ten win over Mississippi State. They looked like they had a pulse against Alabama. Remember going in for a touchdown down twenty eight to thirteen late in the ball game, trying to make it a one possession game. He had the fumble at the goal line, strip fumble at the goal line, goes 100 yards the other way. They beat South Carolina 41-21, so handily, and handled UAB with pretty with relative ease on Saturday, 30-7. Three games remaining on the regular season schedule. They've gone from 1-4 and four to 4-5. Four and five. They've got Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt remaining. Are they going to be bowl eligible? Or are they going five and seven? Five and seven. Do so you think they lose to Kentucky and Missouri and then beat Vanderbilt? Wait, what's their record now? Four and five. Uh, I was thinking I didn't have the math right there. No, they'll win two out of those. Two out of the three to get to six and six and go to a bowl game. Yep. Okay. Any other winners, guys? Hey, Dad's Lakers. They haven't faced any kind of adversity yet, so we'll see what happens when things maybe get tough. But so far, the early returns on LeBron and AD's pairing uh, looks really, really good. Davis still has the propensity to, to play finesse basketball, and at his size and athletic ability, he shouldn't do that. But if they get him out of that crap, uh, they actually will have a shot at winning an NBA championship this year. Look really good so far. They also have okay. the no longer soft Dwight Howard. He's not really playing every day, is he? Oh, he's playing every day. They need Davis to play the five, but he doesn't want to do it. I think they're going to make him do it when they get to the playoffs. They probably will. but Because that's what wins you an NBA title. Him playing that finesse four, shooting threes, and step backs at seven feet tall. Yeah. But Dwight had 14 and 13 on Friday in the win over the Mavericks. So he's been playing really well. Did you see the game on Friday night? Lakers at Dallas. And yeah, you had – say what? Yeah, I was just talking about it. Yes. Okay, I'm taking it a step farther. Sorry, I didn't realize that you were talking specifically about that game where you go triple-double LeBron yeah. and back to back triple-double triple Luka Doncic. Is that yeah, exactly Luka what you just said? No, I was talking about Dwight in that game, how he had 14 and 13, but it was a good game. But, yeah, LeBron back-to-back triple-doubles, triple but uh, that Luka kid is – he is something. Whew. He is a player. The Mavericks got a chance to be a pretty good team. They're going to be good. They're they're going to be Doncic in the West. and Porzingis. They've got size, yeah. real long, and Porzingis, man. I mean, he looks like he was made in some kind of laboratory. Like he looks like yeah. the guy that Rocky fought. 
Well, this just makes for an easy segue to a loser if we want to go this way, too. Let's do it, losers. Give me one. Golden State. Ooh. Ooh. Six games ago, six games ago, their starting lineup was Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and who am I missing? Who am I leaving out of that? Well, Clay Thompson wasn't a starter. Oh, you're going to the end of last season? Going to the end of last season. They had, you know, three Hall of Famers starting. And now they look like a team that if, if you just didn't show up to your fantasy draft and then didn't pick for six rounds, this is what it would be. They could end up with a top three pick at the end of this. But my God, that fell apart quickly. Well, they'll be back next year. They with should. With a lottery pick and Clay and stuff. But... And then they'll deal uh, D'Angelo Russell at the deadline and get some more capital for him. They should, yeah. It would all for really me, and, there it is. And, and we're going to kind of get to the Ole Miss Auburn game coming up in uh, in a little while. We'll start that at the bottom of the hour. But the lack of creativity in the passing game. Everybody's talking about Ole Miss and its passing game and the issues that they're having. That and it seems like everybody wants to assign blame to like one specific area. I, I don't think there's one specific area. I think the offensive line is having trouble blocking, and that is preventing you from being able to just drop back and throw. Receivers are not getting separation, which makes it really difficult. And neither quarterback, neither John Rice Plumley nor Matt Corral, is completing balls at a consistently reasonable clip for SEC success. But I don't think you can stop there. When you look at Ole Miss's passing game, almost every pass they're throwing is with some sort of a rollout. And so defenses are actually kind of cheating to that and they're making you, even on rollout plays, get rid of the ball more quickly than you would like to. The majority of the passes are underneath throws. They're not using the middle of the field with tight ends, and there are no shots down the field. I'd have to go back and watch the the video of the game and, and actually count it, but there's only one that I remember where it was a legitimate downfield throw. <coughs> Excuse me, it was on the last drive of the game where uh, Elijah Moore runs somewhat of a post corner and it's overthrown. Even if you don't have the ability to complete those passes down the field, you got to take some shots to try and potentially loosen things up and stop having a single high safety playing 10 yards deep and giving absolutely no respect. More coming up. Coming up. Your winners and losers on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. You can send them in right now. I don't know if this qualifies as a winner or a loser, but uh, somebody sent us a message that said there's a Shetland pony loose on Money Road. <laughs> Whoever can catch Where's him is a winner. Road? Is uh, that in Oxford? What is Money Road? That, that where right? they put the crutes up in Oxford, huh? Money Road? Sorry. What's the difference I, 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 between that and a regular know. pony? It's a smaller version. It's a smaller version of a smaller horse. Yeah. Money Road's in Greenwood. Gib in Greenwood sending us that message. Thanks, Gib. Okay. Uh, Edward in Greenwood says, Winner, the Ole Miss women's soccer team for their first round win against Mississippi State in the SEC women's soccer tournament down in Orange Beach. They play again tonight, I believe. That eliminated Mississippi State. Ole Miss probably needs another win to um, earn a uh, an NCAA tournament 
berth. They will play Arkansas tonight, who was the uh, regular season SEC champion. Uh, let's see here. Loser. Rich Rodriguez for an atrocious play-calling game. Forky, you watched that from uh, a, certainly a different perspective than uh, than Rippy or I did. Any thought? It's a weird way to say you weren't there. <laughs> um, it was predictable, and it allowed Auburn to play downhill most of the night. And, and when a team is able to do that, I thought the absence of like a well-timed screen or something like that was evident because even on that third and 13, the famous draw that everybody's talking about, Auburn was playing man in the back. You mentioned the one safety that was playing really close to the line of scrimmage and all night long, they were playing downhill. What was it? 18 of the first 19 first down plays by Ole Miss were runs. Uh, They didn't test Auburn vertically whatsoever. And because of that, they couldn't move the football. It was predictable and predictable doesn't work against the better teams in the SEC West, and it never will. So I, I'm surprised by that, that you didn't see any kind. And maybe they just don't have it. Maybe they don't trust Plumlee to do it. But, man, at some point in that game, some kind of screen would have worked beautifully with how aggressive and downhill Auburn was playing. And that kind of stuff just didn't happen. I was really surprised by that. It was just really dis- predictable. I'm not disagreeing with you, but like, how in the world do you sell? We don't have a screen. How hard is it to implement a screen and trust a quarterback uh, throw a screen, especially after a, a screen after a bye week? Now, two weeks to prepare for this one. Ed and Brookhaven, loser, the coach from Florida, I'm talking about Florida State that was fired. Although, I mean, yes, loser, and nobody ever wants to lose their job. But there was a uh, 17 million dollar golden parachute that went along with that termination. So, money's not everything. I, I get that, but and he'll be he'll, fine. He'll get a job. The blow a bit. He'll be fine. Uh, Winner Mike McIntyre's chances of becoming a head coach. Oh, he says the next Ole Miss head coach. I don't really think that's in the cards. Loser Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez. That is a six six two text. Here you go, hey Dad. Winner Hugh Freeze, Florida State's next football coach. That's from MP in Oxford. He must be a thunder and lightning listener. We were talking about that today on the podcast and how I was praying that it would actually happen. Man, if he couldn't handle the pressures and criticism that came from coaching at Ole Miss, will you stop with your negativity? I we mean, want to make this happen. We want him versus Mullen 2.0. Minutes after their win that got them bowl eligible on Saturday was in the direct messages of people that I know. Searching his own Dude, name what? on Twitter, still, still searching his own name on Twitter and being combative with critics who don't even, like, at him. Just his own name, still to this day, new job, new place, bull eligible, after the game, still doing that. He's Go to Florida a- State or Arkansas or any job that has real local pressure... If you think Ole Miss was bad, that will be a complete nightmare. He's just defending his good name. He doesn't have any flaws. The only flaw he has is a little tobacco every now and again, but he's trying to quit. His flaw is that he loves people too much. All right, if that's a flaw, well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. He cares too much, guys. And it's always the condescending, bless you, brother. Should fit in great in Florida State. He could be the next Bobby Bowden. Hire him today. 
Winners, Mississippi State and Georgia. Losers, Florida and Maryland. Okay. Josh and Laurel says, winner, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College Bulldogs, 10-0 and and playing Northwest Community College for the JUCO State Championship this coming week. Loser, the American Athletic Conference referees keeping SMU in the game against Memphis. Did you watch much of that one, Borky? Not a snap, if we're being honest. Thought I thought you were a two-TV kind of guy. Usually, but uh, the little one hadn't slept much, so I let Mom go to bed for a while, and I was I was cradling uh, my son while taking notes with the other hand and watching football while she caught up on some sleep. I will say the pictures of the Liberty Bowl looked really good. They sold 10000 of the $9 one-cent tickets and filled it up. Game day was pretty cool, and, and the – Beautiful part of them putting it on Beale Street is it made it look like there was 30,000 people there when it wasn't near that much. So it made it look a lot more crowded than it actually was. It was a great day for them. Yeah. Good good crowd. Oh, really good. Just But when you cram all of them into a couple of city blocks, it, but look, I mean, it was made for television. That's the reason they did it. It's the reason they were there in the first place. Uh, here we go. Hey, Dad, help me out on this. Hey, guys, Kylan Hill had an incredible game against Arkansas, but it was very obvious that he was hurting pretty badly. It was? Did you well, see I hate that? to see him at full health. He rushed for 234 yards. What? No, I didn't see that at all. This is uh, Billy from North Carolina, I think. He says, does his superior play make his draft stop go up, or do his apparent injuries make NFL teams shy away from him this year? Oh, I, I thought at going. first he was just talking about something on. The, I get people all the time that tweet me, ask me what's wrong with so and so, and you really sometimes you can't tell, but you can tell way better on television. I get that. Keith invading. Yeah, y'all are losers. You listen to the guy that wants nothing but sports. I liked it better when you cut up some. Keith, Monday's not usually cut up day. Monday is usually we got a bunch of sports stuff to get to, but we'll continue to have fun. Yeah, wait until Wednesday. I've got some good stuff for later on in the week. Uh, here's one that says, Winter Willie Taggart, Tallahassee is a not nice place to live. Paraphrasing there. Is it? Uh, I don't know. I've, I've not spent much I've time I've only been there. there a couple times. I thought it was great. Got nothing on Boone. Hal and Starkville, loser, <laughs> Bella cheat against mobile quarterbacks. Well, Taysom uh, Hill's going to tear him up in the Super Bowl, then. Not worried about the Patriots yet, though. I, I didn't consume any... ESPN or Fox Sports won today, so I don't know if they did the whole is the dynasty over crap. Not worried about the Patriots on November 3rd. No, but the teams and the quarterbacks they had played leading up to that is, one, not their fault, but two, that was a real thing. They had played no one. Yeah, the historically good defense was... You guys still there? What? Yeah, we're I mean, still here. What was that? I have no idea. You startled me. <laughs> I didn't know you were doing this in the house. No, that, was, uh, that was not in here. Yeah, it was. It was in your computer. You you did me a frighten. Oh, anyway. Um, Are we yeah, going to hear so, little Jimmy Dick crying out before long? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no. But Has he, anybody called him Jimmy Dick Borky besides me? Uh, you are the first, and okay. hopefully you are the last. Hey, Dad, there are multiple people saying that um, Kylan Hill had a pretty significant limp watching on television. Okay. I mean, it's week 10 of the college football season. Everybody's going to be beat up, but, I mean... They kept playing him, though. 
And in he the game that was in doubt, two hundred thirty-four yards. How 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 hurt how hurt could he have been? Yeah. Again, I was not able to watch it. I was asking you because you were there. I'm not knocking the game that he had. I think that's what you were doing. Uh, like I'm being knocked Willie here. Willie bank movie? account is a winner. Uh, here you go. You guys just love to hate on Memphis and the AAC. What do people listen? I don't understand. Do people like? Does it go through the transistor differently? I don't understand what people listen to. We just said the Liberty Bowl looked awesome. The and Bill the Street was Bill incredible. Street was we read one text that said the AAC refs kept SMU in the game, which is typical of any irrational college football fan. Like, turn your brain on, ears on. I don't understand. I like Memphis. Hey, love like Memphis fine. It was a cool deal on Saturday. Too many basketball awesome. posters, but that's okay. You're learning. The pony poster was the best one. Oh, that was a great one. Loser. All those folks ready to write Lamar Jackson off after that playoff game last year. Cough, cough. Morky, cough. <laughs> hey, I ain't crow on that like 10 minutes ago. Sports Talk Mississippi. Those are your winners and losers. Let's pat- unpack... Ole Miss and Auburn when we come back with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't forget, tomorrow is Election Day. We encourage you to go and vote. And then tomorrow night, get live up-to-the-minute results from across the state during Super Talk Mississippi's 2019 election special coverage starting at 7 p.m. You'll hear results from News Mississippi, plus analysis and discussion from guests from across the political spectrum you can hear the election coverage on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio stations online at supertalk.fm. And if you would like to watch the coverage, you can do so at supertalktv.com. Our election night coverage is presented by Ingle Shipbuilding in Pascagoula. Ingle Shipbuilding, the largest industrial employer in the state, and they are hiring. To learn more about career opportunities at Ingles, visit them online at buildyourcareer.com. Hey Dad has slipped out. That's what he does on Monday afternoons. And we've got you the rest of the way. Let's talk a little about Ole Miss and Auburn on Saturday night on the Plains. Auburn improves to seven and two on the year. They get to four and two in the SEC. Ole Miss three and six, two and four. You walk away from this one again saying, eh, what if for Ole Miss? Defensively good enough, very much in the game because of what the defense did. Offensively not good enough in the game. And Let's start here and then kind of we'll go a lot of different angles. There's one particular play that you go to, and you can't know how the game would have played out afterward because maybe the strategy is different, maybe the way coaches call plays is different. But Kadir Shepard and his little Mike Tyson punch-out personal foul was one of the more ridiculous things I've ever seen. So, if you missed it, Ole Miss gets a stop, and they, they've not done a lot of stopping Auburn's offense three and out. Auburn was great on third downs in the ballgame. They get a stop. They get off the field on third down, and then you look back behind the play after it's all over. Auburn has Kadir Shepard in kind of like a downward headlock, and instead of just waiting to the whistle blows and everybody getting out of it, he goes not once, not twice, not three times, but three times with the uppercut down low punch to the gut. I mean, it's boom, boom, boom. Flag, personal foul, unsportsmanlike conduct, first down. 
I thought, now, I thought he was hanging the right a little low. The left one was definitely more effective. Um, Again, you don't know how it plays out afterward, but Auburn was about to punt. Instead, they go on to kick a field goal. And then if you fast forward and you assume that everything else stays in place, plays out the rest of the way, you have Ole Miss kicking a field goal, trying to send it to overtime at the end of the ballgame down three instead of down six, having to score a touchdown. Now, you don't know that Auburn necessarily attempts the long field goal with Anders Carlson at the end of the ballgame like they did. Maybe they go for it on fourth down and they convert. Maybe they punt and get Ole Miss down close. You know, who, who knows how it plays out at the end. But but that that falls into the all-time dumb unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Sure. It didn't make a huge no, – I guess I shouldn't say that. It made a difference in the it, sense that Ole Miss would have needed a field goal to tie the game at the end of the game instead of that because Auburn got a field goal off exactly. of that. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, that was kind of the one wildly undisciplined thing Ole Miss did from a defensive perspective. Happened on the road few. a few weeks ago as well. I mean, two targeting personal foul penalties after third down stops kept them out of the game in Columbia. Yeah, one of those was really bad luck. Other probably pretty preventable. The Jacques Jones ones was I don't really yeah, know what he's supposed to do there. Nothing really. Um, now, uh, who was the who was the other one? The defensive lineman was it Bivens? No, it wasn't Bivens. Doesn't matter. Yeah, but I mean the story of this was the offense being bad. The defense did more than enough to win the game. You know, punching back aside. Yeah. No, you're right. Um. Tough night kicking for Anders Carlson, the uh, kicker for Auburn. Missed three field goals in the ball game. Uh, two of them were, what, 49-yard field goal attempts, and he missed a, uh, a shorter one as uh, as well. So Ole Miss had a chance in the ball game. Uh, do you want to start with the offensive numbers or the defensive numbers? You pick. You got them up. Defensively, uh, Ole Miss gives up a bunch of yards in the game to Auburn, but it was kind of one of those bend but don't break. Deals. Auburn gets 26 first downs, 167 yards on the ground. They throw for 340 yards. Only the second time this season that Bo Nix has thrown for over 300 yards. The other came against Mississippi State. We talked about that on Thursday or Friday last week. He had 361 through the air against Mississippi State, 340 through the air uh, against Ole Miss. Um, I thought the Auburn offense in some ways was disjointed. Like, like I didn't understand some of the play calling uh, that they had as the the game went along, like they were running it really, really effectively, and then inexplicably they start throwing the ball. Um, they would kind of get a drive going, and then it would stall out. Auburn had several drops in the first half. Uh, Ole Miss made some big plays. There was only one sack in the game. It was Ole Miss getting to uh, Bo Nix once. But again, the defense made enough plays. But there were also plays that were left out there. Whether you want to talk about the unsportsmanlike conduct. Kedron Smith should have had an interception at the goal line. Auburn ended up getting a field goal off that play as well. He's like he cuts underneath the receiver. He's at the one and hits him in his stomach and he drops it. Yeah. Even with all that being said, they still did enough. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they gave up 500 yards of offense, but they played 90 plays and then still were able, despite like they ideally they could should have gotten off the field earlier in the like in that final drive. But they did give the offense back with a chance. Gave him a chance. Yeah, and 
didn't do much. Offense clearly, obviously, didn't do much with it as they didn't do much for the rest of the night. So I, I don't, I don't really see how you you blame the defense much for what happened out out there. On the offensive side for Ole Miss, just a, a rough night. Uh, okay, running the ball, 167 yards on 42 rush attempts. They averaged four yards per rush in the game. Had two TDs on the ground, but through the air, 99 passing yards. Uh, John Rice Plumley, 11 of 21. No touchdowns, one interception, although the interception, that's one of those that doesn't really matter because it's on the final play of the game, um, and it's as he's kind of falling to the ground. He just throws it up in the air hoping that somebody can make a play. So he throws for 86 yards, which is just not enough. Matt Corral, uh, 3 of 6 for 13 yards in the game. And I think two of those were balls that he had to throw away. Yeah. I mean, he didn't – I mean, he, he – wasn't really given an opportunity to play much of a factor in this. Now, he wasn't effective for the... He got, what, two drives in the second quarter? He wasn't really effective for the drives that he was in the game, but... I think it's pretty clear Ole Miss has made a decision as to who... Yeah, I mean, if you didn't start... After the debacle against A&M, and as bad as you were offensively, continuing to start Plumlee is sending a very clear message that this is what we're doing, and this is how we're going to do it, and for like three weeks, particularly after the Missouri game, I kind of said I thought two quarterbacks should play because you need to use Lyles Plumley's feet. But I, I guess I'm going to recant on that because the way in which you're, you need to do that is, you know, have the one-dimensional package guy come in and be just that and have the guy that can run a little bit and actually throw the ball down the field be the every-down quarterback. They tried the inverse of that against A&M almost inexplicably and it worked. So now, if you're just going to pick one, I guess go all in, and they've made their choice for sure. It's not going to work. It didn't work, but they made the choice. Ole Miss had 14 receptions in the game. Four of those were to a uh, five, five of them were to a wide receiver. Elijah Moore had three catches, a couple of big drops. Uh, Braylon Sanders had one catch for 17 yards. An outside receiver didn't catch a pass. And Jaden Jackson had one catch for six yards. That. An outside receiver didn't catch a pass until Braylon Sanders caught that in the fourth quarter. The longest reception in the game was Snoop Connor, and that was that on a. It was a wheel route. That's right. That was the uh, that was the wheel route out of the backfield, where they kind of hit him. He had to kind of waited on the ball to come, and he got twenty five yards out of the play. There was, I'll tell you, there there was one particular play. I think it was on the first drive of the game, maybe the second play of the game. Where Jerry Ely goes in motion out of the backfield. And if you had looked at Auburn in their previous game against LSU, one area where they were a little susceptible was to getting skill position players the ball on the outside. Ole Miss swing pass to Ely, hit him in stride. It was a very catchable ball. He gets nine yards on it, never ran the play again. Yeah, I mean, you know, make whatever remark joke you want. Like, this offense is not, not conducive. The current version of it is not conducive to winning football games in the SEC. I, just not. I just I I don't understand. I'm I'm not I'm they not even them. being critical when I say this. I, I I guess maybe I am being critical, but I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish with the play calling right now. I mean my my assumption is they're trying to get first downs and score touchdowns, but. Oh. They're not going about it in a way that that shows two plus two equals four. I mean, I'm I, I'm just being blunt. 
I'm being honest because I know you're watching the exact same thing, and I don't want to be disingenuous. It doesn't work. When you don't throw the ball down the field in the SEC and you allow the opponent to play with eight players in the box, lock down one-on-one coverage on the outside, and have a single safety... They basically turn into linebackers. The safeties turn into linebackers because they're not concerned with actual safety things. Yes. you, you, You don't challenge them to make them have to play honest. Even if you don't think you can complete those passes, you've still got to throw four or five of them, just in case. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 is the number for you to be a part of the show. This fall, you deserve a change. That's why Ceasefire is helping you trade up and experience the best new phone for yourself. Get yours starting as low as $199 with trade-in for a limited time. Ceasefire, customer inspired. Um, text line. Watch when the camera pans to Rodriguez in the press box. He's lost his mind. I don't necessarily put much stock into the camera shots of coordinators in the press box. The coordinator booth cam has not been friendly to him. It's a great programming decision, though. Whatever producer decided that, it's great. But I mean, at least you have a coach that is, you know, shows emotion. I don't know if that's such a bad thing. I did find it funny though that when you do the run, run, roll right, incomplete pass thing, they pan to him in the booth and he's punching his hand and frustrated. You're asking a guy that clearly cannot complete passes with consistency to complete passes, and when he doesn't, you get frustrated. But shouldn't you know ahead of time that that happens? That'd be like me getting mad when my son poops on himself. Like He's going to do that. Plumlee's going to throw incomplete, erratic passes. He is not consistent or capable enough to do it with any regularity. So when you ask him to do it and he can't do it, you shouldn't be surprised. But it's a timing and a look thing and nothing more than that. But it is kind of funny that you call a play, a low percentage play considering your personnel, and then you get mad when it doesn't work. Ceasefire text line, Corral's not any better throwing passes. False. Well, the stats just don't back that up. That's just not true by any metric. He Statistically, is, he is better, but if you look at Matt Corral, he has not been consistent throwing the football either. No, he's had struggles, too, with accuracy. Before he got hurt, he was at the 60% mark. But you here's, that or what you went with on Saturday? And Which one? Yeah, and the thing on that, yeah, he's been inconsistent. At times, he's erratic. Um, didn't inspire much confidence either, but one, he is also a freshman that needs to grow, but also he has shown that he, he can do it. Like, there's the possibility of having a pass game with him, whereas the alternative is not having one at all. You know the outcome, which is three and outs, quick offense, not moving the football, losing games because you can't score. At least on the other side, you have an opportunity with somebody who is actually capable of actually completing passes down the field. He's inconsistent. He's erratic but he's also young, and he actually can do it. And, well, and you can have it both ways. Look at the Plumlee thing when they got in the red zone. It looked good, and they scored with ease. So you can have the running thing if you have Corral passing the football. But look on the other side of the field. Bo Nix, what, 30 of 44 for 300-something yards, no turnovers, didn't have a touchdown, though, or no interceptions. I think he fumbled. 
Like on one one team had a young quarterback, one's eighteen, one's nineteen, that they said they were riding with at the beginning of the season. If you look how Bo Nix throws the ball now and the confidence he throws it with and the throws that he makes on a somewhat consistent basis compared to that opener against Oregon, he's improving. Because you stuck with him the whole year, you gave him time to develop, and Corral gets now granted Corral wasn't playing very well in that third quarter against Cal and they'd had their struggles against Memphis as well. But you pull the plug on him three games into his first season of college football, and yet people are surprised that this is what you get? How does that make any sense? Steven made a point on the Sunday show. I think I think it's well said. Bo Nix is who Ole Miss fans think John Rice Plumley is. Well, Bo Nix doesn't run it as well as John Rice Plumley. No, but, but they he don't is. ask him. They don't ask him to run it all that much. It's very limited in the usage. He's got a big arm. I mean, he he's got a re- the, the the deep ball that he threw over the middle where he just laid it out for Anthony Schwartz to go get at the fifty yard completion early in the ball game. That's as pretty a ball as you can throw. He's got receivers though that are getting some separation as well. Hey, there was a uh, there was a question about the. Um, Auburn offensive lineman, I think it was Prince Sega Winogo, that, that tackled the running back into the end zone, kind of suplexed him in, and why that wasn't a penalty. I didn't think it was a penalty in real time because I know that you're allowed to push, but apparently um, you cannot pull. Here's Rule 9-3-2, Article 2. The ball... Uh, Article 2.B, the ball carrier shall not grasp a teammate, and no other player of his team shall grasp, pull, or lift him to assist him in forward progress. Well, he certainly was picked up and slammed into the end zone. It is a five-yard penalty, but that wasn't called. I'm surprised the rule book was written long enough ago that you shall. Yeah. You're not a a fan of shall? When's the last time you used shall in your writing? It might be the first time, the next time. Doyle on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter Twitter feed says, I believe we had a few drops that were critical. I I would agree with that. Certainly agree with that. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Five o'clock hour is next. That means the college football fix is coming. Pick me up. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon. Rolling into the 5 o'clock hour, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Scott Rippey. Hey, Dad, has slipped out for the day. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. If you're in North Mississippi and you've got land financing needs, they can help. Maybe you're going to build a dream house in the country. Maybe you're buying a piece of recreational property. Deer season has arrived. Duck season just around the corner. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. You can find their branch locations all across North Mississippi on the website at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Part of the Super Talk Mississippi team will be at McLean's Resort in Brandon for the election night watch party. Watch the election coverage live from a huge jumbotron to see up-to-the-minute election results. Special appetizers and food, along with signature patriotic drinks provided from their tavern Election night watch party at McLean's Resort on Holly Bush Road in Brandon. Don't forget, tomorrow is election day, so please go vote. Time right now for the college football fix. 
College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out about the best-selling truck in America for the last 42 years. That's the F-Series, the 2019 F-150, still available. Great for work, great for play, plenty versatile, great savings, and low financing rates. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Quick peek. We'll do this in its entirety tomorrow, but early lines for some of the games this weekend in the SEC. Vandy's at Florida, where Florida's a 26-point favorite. Alabama is a six-and-a-half point favorite at home against LSU. Ole Miss a 28-and-a-half point favorite against winless New Mexico State. Georgia favored by 16-and-a-half against Missouri. South Carolina favored over Appalachian State by four and a half. Appalachian State seven and one, trying not to lose back-to-back ball games. And at this point, no line has been posted for Tennessee and Kentucky. That leaves one: Western Kentucky five and four at Arkansas. Arkansas has lost seventeen consecutive SEC games. They are zero and fourteen in the SEC under Chad Morris. It's obviously not a league game. Razorbacks. Two and seven on the year, a two and a half point favorite at home against Western Kentucky. How many people show up for that no game? No idea. Actual butts in seats. Twenty two thousand. That seems a little high. Okay. I could be persuaded otherwise. I would set the number at twenty two thousand in both Fayetteville and Oxford. I would take under in Oxford. I mean, it doesn't help that it's at the exact same time as the game of the year so far. True. But, I mean, it should be a really nice day, and, I mean, tickets are cheap, so if you haven't had a chance to go to a game or you've been priced out of games, which we talk all summer about how people are priced out of games, so if, if Here's that's, chance. If that's According- you... According to the link to buy tickets on uh, ESPN.com, Ole Miss, New Mexico State, tickets as low as $2. There you go. And so, I mean, we got a lot of those people, if you remember, that, hey, they just priced me out, I can't go anymore. Now's a great chance. You can have a – it'll be 55 degrees, and you can probably kick your feet up in front of you have and have a beer and watch a football game for a couple bucks. Could be worse. You can buy 100 tickets for $200. And double the population while doing so if they're all used. Hmm. Look, I mean, New Mexico State was never going to draw a big crowd. Nope. Ever. Given where it is on the schedule. But, I mean, nobody's drawing a big crowd for a non-conference game at this point in the season. I mean, Abilene Christian at Mississippi State next weekend, you'll probably be able to get $2 tickets for that one if you want to buy them on the secondary market. Clemson had noticeable empty seats when they played Walford last weekend. I mean, Clemson. So, the attendance thing's a real deal, and staying at games is real. I mean, they had 87,000, and it was full in the first half for Auburn on Saturday against Ole Miss, 87,000 and change. At halftime, so the way the, the Auburn student section is set up, basically from the center of the goalpost, if you're looking at the goalpost to the left, is the student section. You got the band in the corner, so, you know, from bottom all the way to the top, the entire lower bowl. And then when you get over to about the 30-yard line, 
you've got some lower seats that are regular, but there's like a fence that goes up, and then it makes a left-hand turn, and then it goes up again and like encompasses one more section. That area, so so basically from like the 40-yard line to where the band is down in the corner, really stayed full for most of the entire game. But the student section that was in the end zone, I guess is four or 5,000 seats there, was probably 60% full at the start of the second half, and by the start of the fourth quarter, maybe 30% full. Newsflash, when it's hot, people leave games early. When it's cold, people leave games early. When they're bored, people leave games early. And sometimes, when it's a one-score game at halftime, and it's a conference game, college students just leave games early. Were they selling Period. beer at Auburn? No. Nope. Neither Auburn nor Alabama. You've just got to do more. I mean, you know, people can talk about millennials or whatever, but that game and what happened at Jordan-Hare on Saturday tells you that you cannot fight it with just a on-the-field product. More in the college football fix. Florida State fired coach Willie Taggart yesterday, ending his tenure with the Seminoles after 21 games. Under Taggart, the Seminoles showed little progress, and the embarrassing 27-10 loss at home to rival Miami made it clear that it was time to make a change. University President John Thrasher said, quote, I think very highly of Coach Taggart and wish him well, but in the interest of the university, we had no choice but to make a change. We will support our student-athletes in every way and do all we can to return to the winning tradition that is Seminole football. According to Mark Schlabel at ESPN, Florida State raised about $20 million in private donations to buy out what was left of Tiger's contract. However, an FSU official denied that the money was raised for his buyout. Under the terms of the six-year $30 million contract, Florida State's athletics department will owe him 85% of his remaining salary through January 31 of 2024, which is somewhere between $17 and $18 million. Seminoles also paid a $3 million buyout to Oregon to hire Willie Taggart away from the Ducks in December of 2017, as well as the remaining $1.3 million of a buyout that Oregon owed South Florida when it hired him in December of 2016. So they paid half of Oregon's buyout to South Florida, a $3 million buyout to get him away, so what? About $4 million to get him to Tallahassee. And now 21 games into his tenure, they are paying him $17.5 million to go away. Uh, help me out here. Why is it a big deal if they raised or didn't raise the money to pay the buyout? I don't know. I don't Probably know. not. They're like, But just like, what's the guy going to say? Like, Hell yeah, we put that money in the hat. He sucked. Like, well, I mean, I also would say that I guess you would be admitting that your boosters have a big influence on whether or not somebody gets fired less than two years into their new deal, into a five-year contract. Sure. Pretty obvious. And maybe they don't want to publicly admit that. Yeah. It's pretty obvious it wasn't working, though. I thought the, the, the initial statement was kind of refreshing. We didn't have a choice not to. They're not winning games, and you're not showing up anymore. I mean, they, the decision was almost taken out of their hands. Florida State has a standard that is above most people, and if you're – 
uh, and it's not just that they're losing games. Like Neil Brown's losing games at West Virginia, but you can tell that they're they're well coached and there will be a corner turned at some point. Like you can see it. Palpable improvement. From day one at Florida State, they were bad and looked disorganized and poorly coached. And I mean, sometimes when you know, you just know. And of course, ESPN's trying to spin it about it doesn't actually involve his coaching acumen and all of that. But when you're Florida State and it's year two and you're going to miss a bowl game again, you don't have a choice. They probably aren't going to miss a bowl, actually. You think they'll get uh, they'll get to six? I think they're going to get into a bowl game at six and six. And I heard somebody discussing last night: if you get to six and six, and then you win a bowl game at seven and six, and you've shown progress, if this is your opportunity to move on, and you believe you need to move on, then you can't wait to see what else happens that might or might not influence your decision. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. David and Socher sent us a picture on the ceasefire text line of some picks for games coming up this weekend and said he would call Mississippi Land Bank and then retire with a pond and a driving range. I like uh, I like where your head is on that, David. Ceasefire text line at Ceasefire Business. They think your organization deserves more than a one size fits all phone system. That's why they work with you to build a voice over IP solution perfect for your needs. Take advantage of a limited time offer and learn more at ceasefire.com slash business. A couple of questions coming in here. Um, this is Billy in Ocean Springs. He says, Well, Matt Luke need to have at least a bowl game season next year. Coach another year at Ole Miss. I just got all for it. Don't know if you guys have discussed this or not. I mean, yeah, at the least, yes. Yeah. I I don't think at this point, and I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think at this point that Ole Miss is likely to make a change this season. Because as it stands right now, the question is, well, who would be in charge of making that decision? The reason I don't say that definitively is I have been led to believe that there is an expedited timeline on this athletics director search. You received the announcement last week that Ole Miss had put put together a search committee to hire a new AD. Uh, Mike Glenn former executive at FedEx, is chairing the committee. Archie Manning is being used as an advisor. And then you've got six additional people who are on the committee. Um, David DeLucci, former Ole Miss quarterback, David Morris, Wesley Walls, Jesse Mitchell, Peggy Gillum-Granderson, and Ron Richlack. So that's, that's the search committee. Though this is not been stated publicly, and certainly it's a timeline that could change, their goal going in on this is to move very, very quickly. I think they want to be as thorough as they can, but they want to do this quickly, and in an ideal situation, would name a new AD during the open date, the, the week of the open date. So that would mean they started work in some fashion last week, 
They would have all of this week that includes the New Mexico State game, all of next week, which includes the LSU game, and then at some point during the open date week before the Egg Bowl, name a new AD. What's the motivation behind that? Is it well, Glenn because Boyce, they when need... he was hired as chancellor, said that he wanted to have a new AD in place or, or wanted to have a permanent athletics director in place by Thanksgiving. Right, so that but would... the the expedite. I, I know that's why he said that, or that he said that. But why is he saying that? Do they need somebody in place in case in case they want to consider making a change, or is this just he really I wants mean, his guy in right away? I mean, I. Because why into it what you will. I'm just sharing you with the information that I've got. I was just asking a question. No, no, I, 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 I didn't say anything otherwise. I'm just telling you all I know. I mean, if you want to infer that's so that somebody can come in and make a decision about the future of the football program, well, let's just play that timeline out, okay? Let, let, let's say that, that that happens and that on... Wednesday or Thursday of the open date week, a week before Thanksgiving, you have a permanent athletics director in place. That gives them the final game of the regular season and probably a week, maybe the week leading up to the SEC championship game and then the Monday or Tuesday after that to make a decision. And if you're going to make a change at that point with the football coach, then you've got the early signing period coming up fast. I don't know that date off the top of my head. It's mid-December, but I don't know top of my head what the date is. I, I think talking about an expedited timeline... For hiring an AD is one thing. I think expecting to make a change at football coach or putting that decision on the new AD the day they walk in the door is pretty difficult. Yeah. I mean, they would have to come in knowing that they were doing that already. Like, the candidate would have to be planning it right now in case he gets hired to do it. And, I mean, if they go to Starkville and win at the end of the year... It's not happening anyway. So, All right. So more questions come up as a result of that line of conversation. Is Keith Carter a candidate for athletics director? Absolutely he is. 100%. And wants the job. I think it will be difficult for Keith, and really through no fault of his own. Keith Carter is up against the fact that Ole Miss hired Matt Luke to be the football coach when he was already on staff. And the IHL just hired Glenn Boyce when he was leading the search. He, he, I was having this conversation with a friend earlier today. I just lay it out there. If you want Keith Carter to be the athletics director... And I don't think that would be a bad choice. Then you can't go through the whole search thing. 
your new chancellor, Glenn Boyce, has to step up and say, we started down this process. We started down this road. But I'm making the decision today that Keith Carter is the athletics director. Okay, so you get a decisive decision from a new chancellor, but then he probably... That's probably with the expectation that... I don't know if you do that. Does Keith have to make a football coaching change? Not necessarily. If you go through the full process of searching for a new athletics director and you have candidates from all over the place, then you've got to have some serious, serious leadership. Stand behind Keith Carter if he is named the AD. And frankly, that means things have got to be different than they have been in recent weeks and months. Mike in Oxford says, are Hartwell and White candidates, I'm assuming you mean John Hartwell and Danny White, I'm sure their names are in the mix. I have been told that this is that the job of the search committee is to put together a significant list of qualified candidates. Man. James in Hattiesburg. Nobody wants a perceived part of the good old boy network. Keith Carter is perceived as one of them. I don't know that that's fair to Keith. I mean, Keith's just done his job. It's not. If the if the first two major hires you talked about had gone differently, this conversation would be very different. Absolutely it would. It absolutely would. Paul in Cleveland says, is Brad Teague on top of the list? I, I don't... I'm, I'm being completely honest when with the way I, I'm answering this, Paul. I don't believe that today there is a list that is ordered as this is our top candidate and this is number two and this is number three and this is number four. The search committee was named on Thursday, I think, of last week either Wednesday or Thursday. They've done some initial work with talking to each other and kind of putting the game plan in place. I think I told you last week that the search firm that they were using was Ventura Partners. That is not accurate. They actually went a different direction than that search firm, and you'll just have to forgive me. I don't remember the name of the firm that they're using. But it's one of those that does this. They go after ADs and coaches. People say, why are you using a search firm? Well, it's for confidentiality reasons. Because sitting athletics directors won't talk to search committees until it gets to the point where they are being offered a job. They'll have conversations with lots of people, hypothetically, what if, but nobody wants the perception of I got turned down, especially when I was in a sitting position. Uh, Jody from Pontotoc. Does Mississippi State get a new coach next year? I don't think so. I think Joe Moorhead is going to be the coach at Mississippi State next year. 
as it stands right now. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Rippy is headed over to the Pavilion. Ole Miss will play Mississippi College in an exhibition basketball game tonight. So he scooted over to uh, get set to cover that. In fact, that's about the only way you're going to be able to get coverage of it. No radio, no live streaming for the game tonight. So uh, if you want to follow along with what's going on with Ole Miss basketball, follow Brian Scott Rippy on Twitter at BSRippy. Uh, Borky, you want updated national championship odds? Yeah, let's hear it. Who do you think the odds on favorite is to win it all? Ohio State. They are tied with Alabama at plus 225. Next best odds, Clemson at plus 250. LSU is plus 400. If you're convinced that LSU is going to win it, you better jump on that plus 400 now because if they beat Alabama on Saturday, that number will go down. Your value will be less good. Do you think that Saturday's an elimination game? Like the loser will not work their way back in? Or, I mean, it's college football, so crazy things happen. But I think if LSU loses... They could potentially work their way back in. Maybe. I mean, LSU's just played a good schedule. They've got really good stuff, and I've told you for two weeks now that I think they're going to be the number one team when the poll comes out tomorrow. It's going to be either LSU or Ohio State. I think it's going to be LSU 1, Ohio State 2. Um. I would say say Alabama-Clemson. Clemson's just not been impressive. And part of that is not really their fault. No, no, I don't believe that. I think it's going to be LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, Penn State 4. Oh, wow. And Alabama's going to be outside the top four. Wow. We must have talked about that when you were out a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I just Alabama's schedule so far has been bad. Ohio State's S and P plus strength of schedule is half of Alabama's. So basically, Alabama's schedule is two times worse than Ohio State's. Yeah, I mean Alabama, their wins are Duke. New Mexico State, South Carolina, Southern Miss, Ole Miss, Texas A&M on the road, Tennessee, Arkansas. Obviously, they got a chance to to jump this week. I mean, that's the thing. The winner of LSU Alabama stays in the top four. The loser probably falls down to five, six, seven. Yep. Because Penn State's probably going to win on Saturday. It's a tough game, but. They're better than Minnesota, so they can't drop. Or you can't. Not going to lose. No, not at all. Um, I think it's going to be LSU one based on their schedule. The win against Texas, which is not nearly as good as it was, the win against Florida, and the win against Auburn. And what do you do with Georgia now? Do you put Georgia ahead of? Let's say it's a really close game. 
with LSU Alabama. Do you put Georgia ahead of either one of those? No. No. Because their loss to South Carolina is far worse than the loss to either Alabama or LSU. And the committee has shown that they're not loss. Yeah. And they're not products of recency bias either. At least by and yeah, large. They, they do a pretty know. good job, but it's still not perfect. Better than the BCS's model. Oregon's plus twenty eight hundred to win it all. Penn State plus two thousand, Utah plus forty five hundred. No faith in Minnesota. Even undefeated through this point of the season, they are plus twelve thousand five hundred. <laughs> Drop ten bucks on there just because. Yeah. I mean, they're actually still odds on Florida with two losses. I mean, I think that's just a complete waste of time. So, I mean, there's so much to be sorted out, right? I mean, and it starts on Saturday. I mean, it's been a boring year, minimal upsets. I know Oklahoma got beat and whatever, but now, not the season doesn't begin Saturday, but it kind of feels like it does. And the remaining schedule for Ohio State is Maryland at home at Rutgers, Penn State at home at Michigan. So Ohio State's not losing the first two. They're going to get to 10-0. and 0. And then they've got to beat Penn State and Michigan. Um, Penn State's remaining schedule. They can absolutely get there. Penn State can absolutely get to the playoff but only by running the table. At Minnesota this week, then Indiana, then at Ohio State, and then Rutgers. I mean, just based, I mean, if you're just kind of going with chalk, Penn State loses to Ohio State, they're on the outside looking in, and they go to the Rose Bowl. Um... I mean, obviously, we know Alabama and LSU's remaining schedule. Alabama's got LSU, Mississippi State, Western Carolina, and Auburn. I think Auburn's defense is better than Alabama's, having seen both of them in person. Looks like it. But offensively, they're not even close. For LSU, it's Alabama, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas A&M. Back-to-back games at home to finish the season. I mean, LSU can name it score against Arkansas. And having A&M at home doesn't feel like there's a lot of concern there. I mean, mean, Clemson's remaining schedule. I mean, come on. NC State just got beat by 34 by Wake Forest. They do play Wake Forest at home on November 16th. And then they go to South Carolina. How about South that Carolina being their be marquee tricky? game? Could that be tricky? It could be. They just haven't... Uh, they ain't played nobody. They haven't been Georgia, tested. Yeah, Georgia's got Missouri this week. They go to Auburn. That could be a good football game. That's two really good defenses. I just don't think Auburn's offense will be able to do anything against Georgia. 
And there were, by the way, nobody's talked about the fact that Auburn was without two of its best defensive players on Saturday night. And we did not know that until kickoff. When I walked out to midfield for the coin toss, I was looking, I was like, hold on, that's Marlon Davidson. And then the leading tackler on the team, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, out as well. So Auburn was without two of its best defensive players on Saturday night against Ole Miss. Pinson, was that his name? Does that sound right? I don't think that's right. They kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit as well. I mean, the opportunity was there for Ole Miss, and they just could not capitalize. It was oh, Denson, Jeremiah Denson, their starting safety, who was the leading tackler on the team. So neither Marlon Davidson, who's a starting defensive end, nor Jeremiah Denson at safety played in that ballgame. A lot of team speed on that Auburn defense. You know what else is happening tonight, Borky? Or tomorrow night? Maction? Well, it may be, but I don't care about that. The first opening ranking. Night of co- opening night of college basketball. The first ranking comes out in between the two games of the Champions Classic. Oh, that's how about awesome. the, How about college basketball doing this right? That just kind of worked out this year. In game number one, between Kansas and Duke, you have number three versus number four. And then in game number two, the nightcap, all of them, by the way, at Madison Square Garden, number one versus number two, Michigan State against Kentucky. That is how you lift the lid on a new basketball season. Man, I'd love to be there for that tomorrow night. I mean, you, you want to, Borky, you want to talk about dream jobs for me? I'd love to be Dan Schulman tomorrow night. So he's calling Madison, both. Madison Square Garden, Kansas Duke in game one, and Michigan State, Kentucky in game two. <laughs> How good is that? That's awesome. And at the Garden. Oh, it's so good. I'm excited about college basketball season. I mean, you know I'm a basketball fan. Oh, yeah. Doesn't Mississippi State start tomorrow as well? They do. Uh, you get Florida International. games tomorrow night. Uh, that is correct, in Starkville. Uh, Florida plays at home against North Florida. That game's on the SEC Network. Tomorrow night, SEC Plus. Western Carolina at Georgia. You get the uh, first look at Georgia's stud recruit. UNC Asheville at Tennessee. Penn is at Alabama. Rice is at Arkansas. Eric Musselman tenure begins. Nate Oates gets started in Tuscaloosa. FIU at Mississippi State. Georgia Southern at Auburn on the SEC Network. And then uh, Michigan State and Kentucky. We'll wrap it up with you next. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.